Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Nation podcast. I'm Mark Cook, along with my boss, Scott Reynolds. Old boss. Hello. And my second boss, Taylor Jenkins. Been suspended for a while, but I'm back. I am back. <laughs> suspended with uh, with the new promotion, apparently, according to Mark. Yes. And the assistant, the the assistant manager, Mr. Matt Matera, is producing things today. How are you, Matt? I'm good. What's up? All right. Uh, Mr. Personality there. All right. We're going to get started right into this podcast. Uh, clearly a lot going on since the last one that we did um, on last week. There's been you know, some roster shakeups, some moves, but the most important thing is we kind of know now who the 53-man roster for the Buccaneers uh, is and also the practice squad, which, you know, that's been kind of a roller coaster as well. A lot of new rules this year, one of them obviously being 16 players can be added to the practice squad as opposed to 10 last year. Is that right, Scott? Yes, 16. And uh, there's a a couple of interesting little caveats. the Buccaneers and every team on two, by Tuesday can designate four players that will be protected each week. And those players can change. So it doesn't have to be the, the same four guys every week. But what that does is that prevents teams like the Rams, who came in on um, Sunday night in, in Pilford, Raymond Calais, the seventh-round pick, the running back out of Louisiana Lafayette, and signed him to their 53. So what this does is this, this uh, keeps four players – uh, on the Bucks practice squad, and and other teams can go after the other the other practice squad players. But keep in mind that when you sign a player from a team's practice squad, you have to sign them to the fifty three man roster. You can't just take them from your practice squad and or from someone else's practice squad, put them on yours. And the other caveat is they still have to go through the COVID nineteen protocols, which is. They have to to get uh, COVID tested, then wait two days, then get another test, and then wait a day before they can get into the building. So even Raymond Calais, who is uh, probably in uh, Los Angeles right now, and and when we say now, today is Monday, Labor Day. So if he takes his COVID test today, he'll have to wait Tuesday and Wednesday, take it again Thursday, so and then take Friday off. So he won't even be. in the building, in the meeting rooms until Saturday. So you can see how long it takes for players, whether they're an injured replacement on the 53 or someone coming from a practice squad to get on the roster. It literally takes a whole week. So that's why it's important for the Buccaneers to have a quarterback on the practice squad. And they, they did have Reed Sinet that then he got switched out for Josh Rosen. It's important for them to have a kicker and, and then a whole bunch of, of other players to be able to have these guys in the building in case there is a positive COVID test at a position or there's an injury during practice week or from Sunday's game. Well, that may, you know, be good for the Buccaneers and and the fact that the odds of them losing guys, because again, you bring somebody in, you know, you have an injury on Sunday, you take somebody's practice squad guy on Monday, the chances of them contributing to your football team is slim and none in the next week. And right. it may be two weeks before they're really able to, because I mean, they still have to get in, learn the playbook, learn what they do. And let's face it. If they're on the practice squad, they're not normally brought in to start the next week. Anyway, they're going to be developmental guys. They're going to be guys that, um, you know, special teams, maybe things like that. But yeah, um, we're, we're going to talk about the 53 man roster, but you know, you, you just mentioned Raymond Calabian plucked off the, the, the list. 
I was completely surprised. I mean, when I look at the list of Buccaneer practice squad players, I mean, he's as towards the bottom of the list as far as what I would have guessed. If the, if you would have told me yesterday morning the Bucs are going to lose one of their 16 practice squad guys, he would have been pretty far down the list for me. Um, but, I mean, clearly I guess Los Angeles had scouted him heavily and were probably mad that maybe they were in a position to draft him and couldn't, and so they've had his eye, had their eye on him all along, although they had an opportunity to claim him off of waivers. So that's kind of an unusual circumstance too what 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 was kind of your biggest surprise from the practice squad well i mean you can say that that, that calais being plucked is is one you know surprise uh i actually uh, spoke with somebody in the rams organization and uh they liked him from his college tape and really without any preseason games the college scouts and their scouting reports uh, really get amplified even more because typically what would happen if you're assembling a practice squad or if you're going through the waiver wire claim process as, as all teams did on Sunday, um, it's a mix of the college scouts reports. And then it's also a mix of the pro scouting reports from all those preseason games where the bucks and everybody else send pro scouts to basically every uh, venue, uh, every preseason game, to do some some scouting and they look at all of the film from all the preseason games and they figure out so it's really a, a merge between the pro and the college scouts well that that's not the case this year because there's no preseason games so it was exclusively the college scouts so basically it reverted back to the draft process again what grade do they have on calais or any other player coming out of the draft and uh, the rams had a kick return spot open and of course they didn't get a chance to see any of Calais kick returns because there weren't any uh, all the all the training camp practices were closed and there was no games to watch so they had to look back and say well he had two kickoff returns for touchdowns back in college and we'll evaluate him off of that so um, I, you know I would say that that's a bit of a surprise but at the same time when you look at the list he was at least the seventh round draft pick most of these guys Josh Pearson Cyril Grayson Tanner Hudson Zach Bailey Nick Leverett Zach Shackelford Jeremiah Ledbetter uh, Benning um, Pote, uh, Chappelle Russell was another seventh round draft pick. Uh, Herb Miller, um, Mozzie Wilkins, um, Javon Hagan, Dakota Dixon, Greg Joseph, all of those guys, uh, with the exception of Josh Rosen, of course, um, who was a first round quarterback. But, uh, you know, the only other guy was Chappelle Russell that was a draft pick. So, uh, it's basically a bunch of undrafted free agents that, that know this. Uh, scheme, whether it's offense or defense. And, uh, you know, these are the guys that are probably because of, of their, not so much their talent, but how much they know the system are, are the ones ready to step in in case there's an injury. Who, uh, who, who well, I'll ask you this also, Taylor, but get ready. Who are the four you're protecting if you're the Buccaneers? Well, I, I think that they're going to protect Josh Rosen uh, just because of his, his pedigree, the fact that he's actually been a starter it, the, the funny thing is, is Ryan Griffin is the number three quarterback on this team. And he literally has seen, I think, one series worth of, of NFL snaps, which was last year yeah. when Jameis Winston dinged his thumb. And what was it? The, uh, the Colts game, I believe. Yeah. Um, so Josh Rosen actually has starts under his belt in Arizona and also in Miami. So he's more experienced than the Bucks' third string quarterback. So I think he's one of them. I think that, that you look at probably one of the offensive linemen, um, you know, they like Zach Bailey. They like uh, 
Um, Zach Shackelford, the, the center. Uh, Jeremiah Ledbetter, I think, is probably one. I think maybe Chappelle Russell just because of his seventh-round draft status. And then I would either say, you know, the, the kicker um, or Javon Hagen and, or uh, Dakota Dixon. So I think probably one of those guys that I just mentioned, uh, if I had to pick four, I would say, you know, Rosen, uh, Joseph, the kicker, um, probably uh, Chappelle Russell, and uh, maybe Javon Hagen, the safety. What do you got, Taylor? Um, I think Josh Rosen is one, clearly. I think Jeremiah Ledbetter, like you said, Scott, is probably one. I'm actually a little surprised that he didn't make it over Khalil Davis just because of how high they were on him last offseason and how he's been here for, what, two or three years now. So I'm a little surprised he didn't even make the 53-man roster. But if he's not going to, I think he needs to be protected just because of that interior defensive line depth being what it is. I think Chappelle Russell's a guy. And then after that, I think it might be a guy like Dakota Dixon or Greg Joseph, someone that you might need like immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and keep in mind too, when, when you're talking about practice squad, and I think Mark, you kind of alluded to this earlier, when, when a player is going to get brought up from the practice squad, he's going to play special teams. I think that that's ultimately where he's going to play unless he's the quarterback or the kicker. Right. But I think that's going to be the transition. So if, if, for example, if, um, uh, if, De- if Devin White goes down against, let's say he sprains his ankle, right, then Kevin Minter, who is a core special teams player, will become the starting uh, inside linebacker next to Levante David. And that means he's going to be taken off of special teams because he's going to be playing so many snaps on defense. He's not going to have any wind or stamina to go after playing three downs, go run down there on, you know, on um, – you know, punt return or punt coverage or kickoff return or whatever, uh, kick coverage. So then, then you're going to have, um, let's say, Chappelle Russell come up from the practice squad to um, to help out on special teams. So that, that's that's the, the the progression. Unless it's a, a kicker or uh, the quarterback, uh, whoever these players are, whether it's uh, a wide receiver like Cyril Grayson or a tight end like Tanner Hudson, um, they're going to be coming up for special teams because. Uh, of an injury or or a, a positive COVID test or whatever, so these guys in the practice squad they're not going to come right in and start unless unless Tom Brady and Blaine Gabbert and Ryan Griffin in that quarterback room gets super infected with COVID or something. Then you're looking at Josh Rosen as your starting quarterback. Sorry, Bucks fans, didn't mean to scare you like that. You know, you know, I've always said that that I feel bad for special teams coordinators more than anybody. Oh yeah, because. By the end of the year, and again, the attrition, right? The injuries happen. Mm-hmm. And, and as you just said, Scott, Kevin Minter now becomes, who's one of your core guys, he now becomes a starter. All of a sudden, you're going to Keith Armstrong. You're saying, all right, find somebody else. Well, by the end of the year, there's six or seven of these guys. Yeah. And, and and you're bringing guys in off the street sometimes, put them on the <clears throat> practice squad or promoting them to the active roster and trying to teach them what to do sometimes in just a few days and then be out there on Sunday. Sure. I mean, Mark, Mark, uh, look at the receiver position last year, right? You lost, right. you lost in, in, uh, mm-hmm. in the span of three games, uh, the guys that are your, your top three receivers this year, you're lo- looking at Mike Evans with a hamstring, uh, Chris Godwin with a hamstring and Scotty Miller with a hamstring. So you had Jonathan Franklin, you had Cyril Grayson off the street, you had Jaden Mickens, and you, they even called up uh, Spencer Schnell for the last game of the season. So those, those were four receivers that were 
brand spanking new to playing time. Some of those right. guys, like Spencer Snell, had had been in training camp with the Buccaneers at least, but those players were practice squad players that were signed. You know, as the as the season was moving, as the trains going down the track, they hopped on, and um, and they ended up seeing playing time. I think Jaden Mickens had a catch in a game. Jonathan Franklin had a he had a a run out of the quarterback. Uh, Sarah Grayson, I believe, had a catch. Who was who was the guy that was active? So who was the guy they brought in off the street who ended up starting the last two games? And I can't remember his name now. Is I made a comment in the office. Think of Sarah Grayson. No, no, I'm not thinking of him. I'll, I'll think of it in a minute. But okay. I remember I made a comment uh, on Twitter over the offseason, and his family went ape crap uh, because they were like, what have you ever done? At least he was an NFL player. I was like, well, yeah. I have the same exact stats as he does. I mean, yes, he played. <laughs> he was active for two games, but he didn't have a catch. Yeah. I forgot that guy's name. He had a weird name, too. Somebody will tell us on the on I the, think it was Cyril Grayson. No, I promise you it wasn't. Okay. Matt, well, Matt disappeared on us again. He fell over. Maybe he can look up who the receiver. I think it was uh, Ishmael Hyman. Yes, yeah, Ishmael yeah, Hyman. Yeah. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Yep. You're right. And that's another guy that was brought in, too. You're exactly yeah. right. I stand correct. Ishmael Hyman. Yeah. The, uh, the, the only, um, uh, what do you call those Amish guys that uh, the Buccaneers have ever had on their roster? No, he wasn't that's Amish. No, he wasn't Amish. Was Amish no. uh, anyway, well, don't pick on Ishmael Hyman on Twitter or your, his folks will get very upset. Yeah. Uh, well, all right. I, so that's that's the practice squad. Let's yeah. take a look at the actually actually the active roster. Well, and uh, keep well, in mind, it, hold on. As as we're taping this, right? This is Monday morning um, on September seventh, and there's still a one spot open on the practice squad. So there's there's one spot left that we'll have to you have to read about on PeterReport.com because we don't know who that is right now to talk about him. Is is the kicker officially on? Greg Joseph is he officially on now? Um, I don't well, think he's, he's official yet. He's got to go through yet. the COVID that's, protocol. That's got to be that's got to be the guy they're holding that spot open for. Because no, 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 no. The, the, you keep in mind they they let they let go of Reed Sinet right oh, before yeah. the kicker. It opens and the then, one so, and Raymond and then, Kali. Yeah, and then Kelly. Was, oh yeah. was, was taken. So you know that's another thing. I'm glad Raymond's gone because then we won't have this debate on what the hell his name is because coaches call him Kalei, Kaleas, Kali, Kalei. I don't know what his A name is. And we never had an opportunity to ask the man no, because we never had an opportunity to talk to the guy because of COVID. So screw you COVID. So Raymond C, we're just going to call him that. We won't ever have to talk about him again. Uh, Everybody he's gone. Raymond. Open locker. They should do it like they do like the, uh, like the visits in prison where you just have all the players behind like a glass with a little telephone. <laughs> and I get to go, oh, Mike, Mike, get me Raymond. And then he comes over and we get a little telephone oh plexiglass in between us. That that's probably the most genius work. thing you've said, Grizz. I love that, it. That's, that's right? Wouldn't it be perfect? You just put all the players in the locker room yeah. and separate us with a thing. And then we just yeah. get a little telephone and we can just go, Mike, grab me him. Yeah. Grab oh me my him. Gosh. That's, um, just line a few up. And then you'd have like Nelson and the Bucks PR staff as like the prison guards, right? Exactly. Yeah, walking around with the shotguns. <laughs> yeah. Pacing back and forth. Right. They, 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 they have like a baton. They tap on the glass. Two more minutes. That's it. You know. And if we wanted to talk to Tom Brady when it wasn't his day, we would just slip Raymond. I mean, not Raymond. We slip Nelson, you know, uh, a pack of cigarettes or some money yeah. or something like that, and bribe him to uh, get Brady on. Uh, anyway, all right, let's go back to the actual active roster for the Buccaneers. We had we we taped our podcast. I can't remember what day last week was. Leonard Fournette on this team yet? Yeah, I mean, we talked about Leonard Fournette. I mean, technically he wasn't. I mean, he didn't really that's sign right. until Sunday, right? And yeah, again, Sunday. again, so we knew it was happening. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing about this COVID protocol. It's like, 
uh, you know, in, in, in yesteryear, what I mean by that is in 2019 or in any other COVID uh, free season, you would, uh, you would have a player on a plane and then arriving in Tampa, somebody from the Buccaneers organization picks him up, drives him over, Mike Greenberg standing there with the contract. They sign it, go in there and get a physical, and boom, they're at practice that day. That's, right. that's how business used to they're be conducted the in the NFL. In front of us. Right. And, and now you, you have to go through this protocol where it literally takes almost a week to get inside the building. So, um, so and, and the thing is, is, is he wasn't even technically signed until Sunday, and they, they did Mike Evans' contract restructure. We broke that news on PeterReport.com. And they actually had to uh, free up that money because they had just under $2.5 million. And that's, that's the cap value that Leonard Fournette has. So they actually needed to do Mike's contract restructure first to free up the money for Leonard Fournette to sign. And then they have uh, about $7 million right now of cushion money. And people look at that and say, well, practice squad players don't make that much. Okay, but there's 16 of them. I mean, the roster, the practice squad roster is almost doubled from 10 from last year. So you need that extra uh, fundage because you've got more players for the practice squad all year. And you also have to uh, continue to pay players that end up going on on injured reserve. Jonathan Franklin's going to get his entire salary this year. Same with TJ Logan. So that money can't be spent on new players. It still has to go to guys on injured reserve. And you're going to need some money to pay guys to come in and replenish the players that end up getting hurt from, um, you know, from, from the street, some street free agents are going to have to be signed as they are every year. So what you're saying, saying, Scott is, is essentially it's um, insurance. Is that what you're telling me? I'm saying it's insurance. insurance. Yes. Is it insurance Insurance. or insurance? It's insurance insurance money. All right. Insurance money. And, you know, that makes me think about insurance in general. And I spend a lot of times uh, laying awake at night thinking about insurance until I call my good friends at Briar Greaves Insurance Agency here in Tampa. If you are concerned about your insurance, it's middle of a hurricane season, guys. We're at the peak. September is the peak hurricane month. You need to get your homeowner's policy updated and checked. Make sure you have enough coverage Make sure you can rebuild if, if something happens. Make sure you've got flood insurance. All of those things that can come with a natural disaster. Briar Greaves Insurance will be happy to take a look at that. And it's really no cost or obligation. You just give Briar or Sam a call. And both of those guys will help you out. Take a look at what you've got now. And they'll compare it. And they'll let you know. Give you their expert advice. And then they'll shop it around. They'll see if they can find you a better rate than what you're paying now. Why not right now see where you can save money? I've been that guy, Scott where I just go along, you know, I, whether it be auto or homeowners or any type of insurance without really shopping it around. Insurance experts recommend you shop around every two years at the latest, just to make sure you're not losing money. We all could use some extra money in our pocket. Give Briar Greaves a call right now at 813-876-4166. 813-876-4166. Ask for Briar, ask for Sam. These guys are an award-winning local agency who are big Buccaneer fans and they want to help out the Pewter Report readers. They'll take care of you. I promise you, you'll be happy if you do. Uh, They're located over in the South Tampa area, but you can give them a call, phone consultation, find out where you're at with all of your insurance needs, all lines of insurance, 813-876-4166. Briar Greaves Insurance. Call Briar or Sam to 
day. Scott, have you called yet? I haven't, but you know, what's, what's interesting is when you look at, at um, whether it's State Farm or Geico or Allstate or wherever you're, you're getting your insurance, if you call the 1-800 number, you're going to get somebody that you've never met, somebody that you don't know. And guess right. what? If you happen to call back, you're not going to get the same person. That's true. So you get that, that personalized service when you deal with Briar Greaves. And they're not going to be Bucks fans, chances are. I mean, when you talk to somebody in a call center in Iowa, they're probably not Buccaneer fans. I mean, at the very least, you can have a good chat about the Buccaneers with Briar Greaves, even if you end up not purchasing any insurance with them. So give them a shout today. All right, let's go back to the main roster now. We're going to take a look at the, the 53-man roster. Um, any, any major surprises for any of those for you guys? Taylor, is there anything that sticks out to you? I mean, we know Dario Gumboale. That was uh, something we talked about before. I mean, that was kind of a shock that, in our opinion, that, that he was let go. Um, I think, you know, the kicker situation, Ryan Suckup comes in here and in just a few days wins the battle. I think Bruce Arians saw enough during some of those training camp practices with Elliot Fry that he's like, we, this could derail what is looking to be a great season. And a kicker can absolutely derail your year. We talked about it last week. Matt Gay misses the kicks against Chicago. I'm sorry, against Atlanta to end the season. He misses that Giants kick. Um, You could even say the kick against Seattle right before the half, although that was like a 50-yarder. But again, if he makes any of those kicks, we're talking about uh, a a potential playoff team instead of a team sitting at home watching the playoffs on TV. Now, I think the Buccaneers, with Matt Gay's performance last year, still is a playoff team this year if he were the kicker. However, it could also be the difference between being the number one seed and the number six seed playing a home playoff game versus starting out on the road as a wildcard team. It would be a shame if this football team did everything they did in the offseason and, and had their season derailed by a kicker. So, but it still was kind of surprising because they did invest a fifth-round draft pick in this guy. And, you know, Matt Gay, you know, is a guy that they talked about all, all season that they really thought was going to be able to rebound and turn things around. But Bruce, when Bruce gives up on you, he gives up on you. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I went back and looked at – one of uh, Bruce Arians' little Friday pressers coming off the field, and he was talking about Matt Gay's a great weapon for us. If you look, I think he's kicked the most in the league beyond 50. He was one of the highest-scoring kickers in the league. And, I mean, really, when you look at it, if it wasn't for those last three games, and I know you can't say if it wasn't for because they happened, but heading into those last three games where he missed five of eight field goals, he was over 85% on the season. So while he had missed time kicks, I mean, you look at that Giants game, he missed the game winner, but I think he made four or five field goals up to that point. And if he doesn't miss that kick, we had talked about it at practice that week. He's probably rookie of the week in that Giants game if he doesn't miss the game winning kick, or if he's not even in a position to make that game winning kick, if the defense doesn't allow what, 28 points in the second half. So that's an ill-timed kick. Seattle, I think he had two or three field goals, but of course he misses that one. It goes to overtime, you lose. And then you go into the last three weeks, and he misses five of eight. So really, I think the biggest speed bump for Matt Gay, besides those three weeks, were simply that his misses came in games that were decided by three points and overtime. And then you miss five of eight to end the season, and that leaves a terrible taste in the organization's mouth, in Bruce Arians' mouth, you know in Jason Light's mouth. When you go out there and you could have been eight and eight, but you're seven and nine, and you miss these kicks, I think that really ruins a lot of trust, and it's the last thing. It's like when 
Jameis Winston ends the season on a pick six. It's not the do or die, or it's not the, you know, the end all be all, but it's what the team's left with. And that, and that's taken into account in addition to the rest of your season. But like I said, I think Khalil Davis is a little surprised for me. I can see Pat O'Connor making it with the uh, shortened off teams. The lack of free season. Yeah, the, the special teams. But Khalil Davis making it over Jeremiah Ledbetter was a little bit of a surprise for it, me. It, was, it wasn't to me. And, I mean, I had the advantage of probably seeing more practices than you, but Davis just flashed. And I think that, that Davis can play the three-technique position and the nose-tackle position. Um, and I think Ledbetter is is Ledbetter like O'Connor is kind of pigeonholed into just being the backup defensive end in the three four scheme, and that's Will Golston's position. So I think the position flexibility, the added size that that Davis brings, and the ability to play two spots, I think really helped him out. And and I think that Khalil Davis coming into the league is kind of like how Nacho was, like he was around three hundred pounds. Now, Nacho this year is around 320. I mean, the guy's hit the weight room. Yeah. He looks like, like, almost like Bo Allen did last year, just a big 320-pound nose tackle guy that has a lot of quickness. He's a lot quicker than Bo Allen ever was. But I think that when Nacho used to be the smallest defensive lineman in the, the Bucks room, that's kind of like how Khalil Davis is entering the league as, as a Raheem Nunez-Rochez type player. And we'll see if he continues to develop and ascend. He's a six-round pick for a reason. But I think he just flashed a little bit more pass rush. And I think the ability to play two positions over Ledbetter, who can only play one, I think that was the deciding difference. And, Scott, we remember Ledbetter last year was really um, one of the stars early in camp before his injury. Remember he picked yeah. off Amos Winston at one point from, from yeah. the defensive line position, and we were all really high on him. I'll be honest with you. I was out there for all the two training camp practices, and I don't really remember anything from Jeremiah Ledbetter this yeah. year. Just yep. a completely, you know, different camp than he had sure. last year. And you, and you know what? Dakota Dixon was the exact same way. Dakota exact Dixon same flashed way. last year, and this year he just was kind of a guy, you know. And uh, they like him. They kept him on the practice squad, but Dakota Dixon didn't really flash and make those plays. This year it was Parnell Motley. He was the playmaker. He was the the flash guy in that secondary. And um, that's why he's on the active roster as an undrafted free agent out of uh, Oklahoma. Over Mazzy Wilkins. Over Mazzy Wilkins. He's no bad. I was going to say no bulls on this roster, but that's actually not true. Uh, there's a pretty Pierre good Paul. number 90. Yes. Never there's forget no, Jason Pierre-Paul in his one year at USF. There's no Knowles on this roster, and there's no uh, Kansas State players on this roster. That's kind of a shame. Yeah, it is. I guess that clearly means that USF is better than both of those football programs. Watch I mean, it. Watch that's it just. <laughs> hey, when, hey, when be. was the time when the USF was ranked number one in the nation? Oh, that's Ooh. right. Oh, wait. They got it to well, number, number two. They got they number two. Oh, yeah, they got number two. Was close. How many national championships does USF have? How many crystal trophies in their case? Oh, wait, that would be zero. Well, we can claim them now, so. I'll just claim them all. <laughs> if UCF can claim yeah. them, then USF can claim yeah, them. Yeah, screw. Them. There's no rules to this. All right. Did you, have you ever won your conference? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, a, Kansas State's not a powerhouse. So there, there, there was there was a time in the '90s where you know we were spitting at NFL players like Darren Howard and and Darren Sproles and Martin Gramatica, you know, and Mark Simino, Ben Lieber. You know, we we put some guys in the league, and we were eleven and one. I think five consecutive years we had uh, top 10 finishes, a couple in the top five. And we were ranked number one in 1998. 
we beat Oklahoma or beat uh, Nebraska. And then we were ranked number one uh, when Bill Snyder returned and we had Colin Klein and we, we choked in a game against Baylor. So we, we've, we've had a couple of 11 and one finishes in our resume. We've, we've been number one. We've been ranked number one a couple of times for a little old Kansas state. That's not too bad, but, but just well, on, we, we got to get the record Taylor. I mean, USF has never been number one. No, they they're they're they've literally just been a roller coaster of like sadness and silver lining since '97. <laughs> well, they, it's they, like you had you had the you emphasis had the, uh, on the word silver. Yeah, you had a really hot start, you know, kind of until '08, and then you lose um, what's his name, uh, head coach Jim Levitt. And then you go Jim Levitt, and then you go yeah. into the the uh, the downward spiral, the downward spiral, the and then Skip Holtz. Yeah, the Holtz new era. That was a ton of fun. And then you get Willie Taggart, and you had a few years. You win 10 games. You win 11 games. You beat a couple SEC teams in bowl games. And then you go right to Charlie Strong, where that was just a slow burn of yeah. sadness. And now you get Clemson's offensive coordinator ready to rise again. All right. <laughs> well, All right, until we'll you see. guys play, play Rutgers, and Greg Schiano ruins your number two ranking again. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It was All right, like three go. straight losses. That was brutal. People are uh, people are losing their mind because we're not talking Buccaneers. I see Matt in the background yawning and saying, "Come on, all right." Um, so, but but the odds of college football playing this year, Scott? You know, I'm a big guy about odds, and I just wish there was a place. And I'm really smart with odds. I just wish there was a place I knew that I could use some of my savant abilities with the odds to to make myself some money somewhere. But I just have no idea where. Well, usually there's like that term that what's it called? Idiot savant. I think you're more idiot yeah. than savant if I'm being real, but, but anyways, there, there is such a place, Mark, and I'll tell you all about it. Uh, it's what? my bookie. Yep. Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means survivor super contests and squares at my bookie. Winning season means hitting all your parlays and props with your feet up watching your team as they trounce their rivals. Rejoice. It's time to celebrate the NFL season. Football is here. Invest in your intuition. Use promo code Pewter and double your first deposit. New players are going to get up to $1,000 in free play. That's designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games that you're going to bet on. From live betting to championship futures, every play you want to make is waiting for you at MyBookie. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Use the website that I've used for the last several years when it comes to my football, hockey, NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball wagering, and that's my bookie. Use promo code Pewter and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. Scott, can I borrow a uh, dollar? Sure. Can you uh, Venmo me a dollar if you don't mind? Yeah, I will Venmo you a dollar. Good, because I I'm planning on going over to Pinch. Chasers tonight because it's dollar mania. At dollar all mania the- at pin chasers. Tell me more. Yes, that means from nine until closing, it's only eleven ninety nine for unlimited bowling. But I need that dollar because draft beers, hot dogs, and Pepsi products are only one dollar during that time. That's crazy. So, I know it is crazy. They're giving away beer. They're giving away hot dogs. They're giving away Pepsi. They're basically giving away bowling to be able to bowl for eleven ninety nine for from nine until close. Pin Chasers has been a proud sponsor of the Peter Nation podcast since day one. Anthony Peroni and his family have been Buccaneer fans since day one. They've been in business for over 60 years. Give Pin Chasers a shout. Find them online. Look at their locations. Pick your location. 
Find a league that you can join if you're looking for lessons, if you need some products, they have pro shops. Pinchasers.net is the place to find it. Um, and, and it's not just Monday that they have specials. They're specials every day of the week. Sunday, they do a breakfast deal. On Tuesday, it's Pizza Bowl, where from 9 o'clock uh, until closing, you can enjoy unlimited pizza and bowling for just $11.99. All the pizza you can eat. All the bowling you can do, that's Tuesday nights at Pin Chasers. Three locations, one up in Pasco County and Zephyr Hills, one near the Veterans on Hillsborough Avenue, and our home location, home base for Pewter Report and the Buccaneers organization when they have events, is the location over on Armenia Avenue. Pinchasers.net, our good friends, Anthony Peroni and family, make sure to support those who support your Pewter Nation podcast and PewterReport.com. So hey guys, anyway, as, as we as we wrap up this this uh, podcast here, let's because we're going to talk about the, the Bucks and the Saints on Wednesday when we do our next Peter Nation podcast. But let's and our let's predictions. Just, and our predictions, yes. Let's talk about uh, how this roster stacks up uh, for this season. Uh, tell me which positions are the strengths and weaknesses in terms of of talent and depth. And uh, you know, and, and look at that from both sides. Uh, where 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 the Bucks' strength uh, heading into uh, the twenty twenty season, and then what's the weakness? Uh, Taylor, let's start with you. Um, I mean, I think the strength has to be really the entire offense. I mean, short of maybe a few spots wow. at the offensive line. <laughs> Where do you go I out mean, on the limb there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, I think the entire team is strong. Mark, yeah, I mean, I think the entire offense is strong. I mean, the defense has spots. If the if the secondary doesn't like, if the if the young if the young defensive backfield doesn't come back and play like they did in the last half of last season, and they come back and they play like the first half, the Bucks are still going to be in trouble. Like, okay, give John me a position, Taylor. Cornerback, cornerback is a potential weakness. Safety okay. weakness. Well, a, a position, cornerback or safety, pick one. Cornerback. Why? Because they're young, they're inexperienced, and we're in. And, and the Bucks have put all of their eggs on them playing like the last seven games of last season. Okay, and and also, if something happens to Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean, or Carlton Davis, you're looking at Ryan Smith or Parnell Motley, Motley. seeing the field. Yeah, right. Okay. All right. And then Mozzie Wilkins is, is on the active I, roster, and you have no no experience, <laughs> no depth. They're in a lot of trouble if there's any injury or if they just don't play well. I love how Taylor feels obligated to mention Mozzie Wilkins every podcast. It's fantastic. Every- You're so true to your school, Taylor. I love it. All right, Grizz. Uh, let's go back to the offense, the, the dominant, strong offense. Pick, pick one position, one position where you think it is the strongest on this team. You've already said offense, so I'm trying to help you whittle it down to one position – Wide receiver. Okay, why? Because they have two top ten wide receivers. Okay. So that their their top two wide receivers are better than any other team in the league. Agreed. After that, you've got a lot of talented players. I mean, you're not looking at another top twenty wide receiver, but I mean, Scotty Miller is a is a talented player who can fit a role. I think Tyler Johnson, when he gets healthy, is a talented player who can fit a role. I think Justin Watson fits a role. He's fast. He's big. He's exactly what. Bruce Arians wants in a wide receiver if he could just catch the ball consistently mm-hmm. and earn that spot. But outside, I mean, but you really almost don't even need to get past Chris Godwin and Mike Evans if they're going to run a lot of 12 personnel. Yeah, I, unless they hurt their hamstrings again, then you will. Soft but, tissue injuries could be the downfall, but. Yes, but so far, like knock on wood, right? And we don't know what Tyler Johnson's soft tissue injury was. It could have been a hamstring, could have been a groin, not sure. But so far, so good on the hamstring front heading into the season. So knock on wood. Mark, how about you? Strengths so and weaknesses. 
Well, clearly the weakness is um, is the entire offense, uh, particularly the quarterback <laughs> position uh, with a six-round draft pick. I mean, you never want to head into your season as your starting quarterback being a, a six-round draft pick. So I hope this – Six-round uh, draft pick? Who would that be? Uh, Brom Tatey? Or T- I can't remember his name. He's, um, he's married to some supermodel guy. But, you know, he's got potential to develop if, you know, he doesn't get overwhelmed by what he okay. sees. Okay, all right, funny, funny wise guy there. Let's, let's get to the actual analysis. Uh, what uh, is the it, strength uh, on this football team? The, the strength of this football the team uh, offensively is, is the tight end group. Yeah. Um, I think the Buccaneers, you know, people say Bruce Arians doesn't like the tight ends. I don't really know where that comes from. We're going to blame uh, Trevor Sikama for that because I think he wrote something about how yeah. Bruce doesn't like tight ends. Right. Bruce has never had four tight ends like he has now. I mean, yeah. not many teams, honestly. Well, he, a, let's remember, Heath Miller was a Pro Bowl tight end in Pittsburgh, right? right. I mean, John Ledyard would, would attest to that. I mean, he saw Heath Miller, sure. you know, as, as a major weapon for Ben Roethlisberger. It's just that when Bruce got to Indianapolis and then – Arizona. I mean, Jermaine Gresham was like the best guy he had in Arizona and he's Jermaine Gresham would be like tight end number three on the Bucks sure. roster right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the tight end position is just stacked with on the, on this football team. Um, as far as weaknesses go, I, I I'm going to pull a Taylor here. It, it, it's kicker or cause then I say kicker only because you just don't know. We haven't seen yeah. Ryan suck up kick except in practice a couple of times, but you're right. It's picking one. I would tend to go with the safety position. And again, only because I don't know that they're a hundred percent settled on what they're going to do. I mean, yeah, the coaches probably have an idea, but um, you know, are two guys going to emerge and, and not be taken off the field or is this right. going to be a rotational thing the entire year? And, yeah. and I'm going to, if you're playing as, four, you, you don't have two, right? If you're playing I, four, you don't right. have two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, again, they're not going against a, a hack this week. Um, you know, I think that, you know, if they were playing um, the, the Carolina Panthers, I, I'm not concerned about the safeties going into week one. But the fact that they're playing Drew Brees on the road, we've seen Drew Brees, what he's done, and he's made young guys look silly for his entire career. And, and guess what? He's going to make one of these safeties, one of these young guys, look silly probably next Sunday at some point. Yeah. Um, but I'm not overly concerned only because I feel the Buccaneers offense is going to make up any deficiencies. Taylor talked about, you know, oh, is it last year's defense, the last half or the first half? I don't know that it matters as much because this offense is so loaded. I mean, they're, they're going to be – I don't know that they're going to score more points or more yards. Scott, I know you talked about, you know, Tom Brady, you know, matching some of Jameis Winston's numbers. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But – an overall better offense, a more ball control offense, an offense that's not going to turn the ball over, um, is going to help the defense out. So even if the defense isn't quite that top 10 defense we saw the last six weeks, uh, as long as it's not as bad as the first 10 weeks, they're still going to win a lot of football games. But yeah. offensively, the, the, to me, the the talent, the, the strength of this team is that tight end group followed by the tight ends. And then, but my, my concern defensively is, is them settling on two safeties and, uh, and those guys growing in their roles and being confident um, all season long. Yeah, I think you're right, Mark. I, I think the, the kicker position is, is a, a very – it's up in the air. It's a concern. And I think that the cornerback position, too, also, Taylor, that you mentioned is, is, is valid. And I think the safety position, I think there are some concerns there. So without having to repeat what you guys said, I'm going to throw in there, and I don't think this is a weakness – 
but it's, it's a huge question mark for me is the outside linebacker position beyond the, the top two, because Taylor, you mentioned Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin being the best tandem. And I think right now you could make an argument based upon last year's sack production in terms of pass rush that the Shaq Barrett and JPP are right up there in terms of, of talented bookend pass rushing duos. So I, I, I listen, that's, we're talking about one of the best elite units in the league until there's an injury. Then you're looking at, at Anthony Nelson coming in, possibly Quentin Bell, maybe Cam Gill. If, if something happens to both of those guys, knock on wood, it doesn't happen. But all of a sudden you go from, you know, elite to green. I mean, like, like rookie green, like unproven, untested. We don't know uh, um, how Cam Gill and Quentin Bell, um, can rush the passer because they haven't played in an NFL game yet. And you have a guy that very limited rookie experience last year in Anthony Nelson. So behind two proven pass rushers, you've got three guys at the outside linebacker position that don't have a single sack. And that's a a big potential drop off in production there. And the reason why I want to bring this to everyone's attention, and I hope that it never comes to pass in that Barrett and JPP start all 16 games this year. But if those guys are not in the lineup for a game or more, what's going to happen is it, it changes Todd Bowles' entire defense because he's going to have to blitz uh, Devin White, Levante David to get some pressure up the middle. Anytime you're blitzing, you're, you're forcing your secondary to play man coverage. And unless Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis really have shown they can grow up and become – legit man coverage guys for an entire game and, and shut down cornerbacks. Um, you don't have the ability to protect those guys with cover two or with zone coverage. So I think the, what ideally you'd like to see Todd Bowles do is have those guys, JPP and Shaq the entire season, because then you can get creative with some of your blitzes and you can also just get to the quarterback with four. And, uh, and we, we've seen the Buccaneers go to their nickel defense they leave their linebackers in. They don't take a, a linebacker out and put a, a defensive back in. They take a defensive lineman out, and they bring a defensive back in. So they they literally rush with four. They go with with a four man front sometimes with their nickel rush, with two defensive tackles and then uh, Shaq and and uh, JPP on the outside. So that's a concern of mine. The depth at the outside linebacker position. And Mark, you're right. The tight end position. OJ Howard. And Rob Gronkowski are starters. You're going to see a lot more of Cam Braid this year. I wrote about that in Fab Five than maybe anybody expected. Cam Braid is going to have a big-time role in this offense. You're going to see a lot of three tight end personnel. You might even see four tight end personnel in certain situations. Uh, Anthony Auclair on some teams would be the number two tight end. He's really developed as a route runner. He's got better hands than you think. And uh, I'm telling you, you've got – You've got a situation where um, he's a good blocker. He's tight end number four on this team. He would be tight end number two on on some teams. And I think the same thing you could say about Cam Brait with his receiving ability and penchant for getting open in the red zone. Cam is a number two tight end on other teams. He's like number two B right now with OJ Howard behind Gronkowski. And the last thing I'll say about the tight ends is I don't think that you're going to see as many uh, situations where Gronk's playing um, the 80 
percent of, of the snaps, the 90 percent of the snaps he did in New England, I think Gronk will play about 60 percent of the snaps here in Tampa. And I think when it's all said and done, OJ sees more action, probably plays the most snaps of the tight end. And I think Gronkowski and, and Cameron Braid are going to be kind of even on the snaps. I think that this team's going to make a concerted effort to get Rob Gronkowski, um, having him play all four quarters of every game this year. And that means not wearing him out, not playing him 60, 70 snaps a game. I think 40, 45, 50 snaps um, is, is probably going to be his limit. And I think that they want Gronk available for the postseason. And that means you're going to see a lot of, of Brait and Altlair more than you would think. And, and certainly a lot of OJ Howard. All right. I agree with everything you said. And hey, and let's not forget Tanner Hudson's on the practice squad. I mean, this is a number three, maybe on some teams in the NFL. I mean, they, yeah. they've got a guy that, you know, they talked away on their practice squad that was on the active roster last year. So mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. I think tight end is just a loaded position. And I think the Buccaneer organization would be foolish not to utilize it. And we know what Tom Brady loves to do with tight ends. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up for Matt Matera, our producer for Taylor Jenkins, for Scott Reynolds. I'm Mark Cook. Sam, we'll see you next week with, or later this week, actually, with another edition of the Pewter Nation podcast. Out. 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 Out.